Turn with me in your copy of the scripture to the book of Hebrews. We were there last Sunday, heading back there this Sunday. Chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. Ever watched the Olympics on TV? I know we're not in an Olympic year, but uh, I watched the Olympics. I like to watch the Summer Olympics a little better, just because I can't ski, but I can do a few other things. I can run a little bit, um, and skiing, that just depresses me because I can't ski, and they're just got going so fast, and it just is amazing to me. But watching the Olympics, have you ever like thought about just for a second how amazing the human body is? How amazing we truly are fearfully and wonderfully made, and how awesome, and, and the feats of strength and dexterity and, and the things that we are able to do, um, it's, it's amazing. It, it always amazes me that these people that are in the Olympics, most of them have spent their entire life preparing for this single event that in some cases is over in just a few minutes. The amount of training, the amount of sacrifice is enormous, all for this one single goal, a gold medal, to be the best in the world at that particular event. You know, since the Bible talks about us, um, Paul talks about in, in the letters, and he, he says that we are running a race, that we should run in such a way to get a prize. And I start connecting the two thoughts of being an Olympian and, and running to get a prize. And, and I wonder what all that, that entails and, and what that looks like. And, and I think Hebrews chapter 12 gives us a little bit of insight, actually gives us a lot of insight on, on what that, on the, the qualifier, even of what Paul said, I believe it was in Philippians, that we are supposed to be practicing. We're all running a race and are we practicing the spiritual disciplines to get us from where we are to where we need to be? We have, more, we have a more important prize than just a gold medal. We have more important recognition than just applause of men in this world to consider. The question here is, as we read this passage, is are we taking seriously our walk with God? I'm going to read this passage passage, and I'm just going to kind of forewarn you today a little bit. I feel like God's given me a pretty strong word for us this morning. I feel like God's given me a pretty strong word for us this morning. So um, I just want you to be aware of that, and I feel like God's going to orchestrate this and do this together today. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, today I thank you for, for your word. I thank you, God, that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path that helps us to not sin against you. And Lord, today I pray that you would help this scripture to 
come alive to us this morning. I pray that you would help me to deliver what I believe you've spoken to my heart today. And let this be your words. Holy Spirit, do your work this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a wonderful depiction here in Hebrews chapter 12. It's this great coliseum, if you will, and we're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses, people that are cheering you on. You know, I used to do that with my kids whenever we play a board game or something, and I'd be winning. I'd have the great cloud of witnesses, if you will, cheering me on, because if I'd be winning, we'd be like, he's I just won the game. The crowd goes crazy. Right? That's the setting that we get here in in Hebrews chapter 12, is this setting of a great cloud of witnesses, these people that are there that are cheering you, us on. But I, I think that there's more to it with these witnesses than just that. Uh, if, if you look at this word, in, in the, it, it talks about that these are examples that have been put before us. It's not just a great cloud of witnesses that are back there going, this is a, 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 a group of people who have ran their race, who have finished with the, the medal, if you will. They're the ones who have achieved eternal life. These are the ones who say, listen, I showed you the way. This is the way. You can follow my example. This is what I believe God has done in my life, and this is what you should do. And they cheer us on that way. It's meant to be a, a thing of encouragement for us, that we would follow their faithfulness, that we would follow their fervency, that we would follow Follow their perseverance, that we would see God move in our life like he did theirs. You know, the Old Testament and the New Testament is full of examples of faith. And I just wonder if the writer here isn't thinking a little bit back to the previous chapter when he talks about all of these people who are in this hall of faith. And he's using them as, as the examples. He walks through Hebrews chapter 11 and he says, by faith, and then lists them by name. And then he says, I want you to understand that all of those plus many others, they set the example, they set the precedent for us that says, listen, you can do this. You can make it. You can serve God. You can be a person of faith. You can be a person of, of divine influence and power. You can follow God. You don't have to chase after the things of the world. You can do this. And they provide that example for us. It would be like they were the, the ones that are saying it. So you got this coliseum of people that are doing it. And then you have us as the runners. Our race isn't finished yet. We're still on this earth. God hasn't called us home yet. And so our race is still in the middle of it. And so then he, he gets into this in the second part of verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off everything that hinders. The idea here is to encourage us to win the race and get rid of the things that will slow us down. You know, we all have a little bit of baggage, don't we? We all have a little bit of stuff. This is my little bag. Some days I have bigger bags. Some days I have heavier bags. But we all have some baggage that we carry, some things that, that keep, make it heavy for us. 
Everyone knows what extra baggage does to a runner. If I were to, to uh, take this and, and put it on my back, which I will here in just a minute, it will, it, it, if, if I were to try to run with this, it would slow us down. No serious runner would ever run with weights when they're running the race. No serious runner would ever try to weight themselves down with all kinds of of things that would keep them from winning. And so you stop to think about that. How does that work into our our spiritual life? Well, there's this essence of self-discipline that takes place when we run the race, if you will. But it's our responsibility to cast aside those things that easily beset us, that that keep us weighted down. And and so we come, though, a lot of times, a lot of us have different kinds of baggage. And and we'll have a baggage that's kind of heavy, and, and we may call this like misplaced priorities. It may be your work, it may be your family, it may be your kids, it may be a number of different things, but, but we'll call this one, you know, misplaced priorities, and so that's something that kind of weights us, weights us down. And then we grab another thing, and, and, and this one, it deals with this idea that, that uh, uh, we uh, half-heartedness, our half-hearted devotion Maybe you don't read your Bible like you used to. Maybe you don't pray like you used to. Maybe there's some things in your life that you're just kind of apathetic about when it comes to the things of God. Maybe it's your apathetic lifestyle when it comes to coming to the house of God or getting together with Christian brothers and sisters. And, and so that kind of thing can weight us down. For, for some people, it's, it's this idea of, of fear and insecurity. And, and there are so many things that, that could represent these rocks in your life. So many things that could weight you down. I'm not calling them sin. I'm not calling them sinful things. They're just things that keep you and hinder you and keep you weighted down so you can't reach your full potential in the Lord. And so we take these things and we we zip up the bag to make sure none of them gets out because we don't want them to get out because then everybody were exposed. We secure them tightly upon us because we think, oh, I can handle it. I can do this. I can run with this. I'm all right, man. I'm good. I can make it. I, I can run. I, I, can, I can run this way. Oh, man. Yeah. I, oh, I feel like I can do this. I feel like I can make it. But what we don't realize is the things that are in our, in our life that are weighing us down, those weights, those hindrances, that, that insecurity, that lack of motivation, those lack of priorities that aren't in the right place, those things that, that keep us from experiencing our fullness in God, they weighed us down and before too long, what you don't realize is they've almost stopped you. And it gets heavier, and it gets heavier, and it gets heavier. You see, there's a lot of things I could put in this bag. There's a lot of things that could keep me from running and and maintaining what God wants me to do in my life. And they'll slow me down. And then he talks about the other things. We got this baggage, we got these things, but then we got this sin that so easily entangles us. This sin that so easily besets us. Hey, Jacob, come here for just a minute. Be good. Come on up here. I want you to grab a hold of my ankles. My ankles. 
the part that's attached to my foot. That's right there. Okay. Whew. Anatomy class. All right. Now, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just grab them like this. I want you to, like, put all your weight. Don't break my ankle, but put all your weight on my ankle, okay? We did not rehearse this. Okay. All right. You see, then we have these weights, but then the Bible talks about this thing. It's called this sin that so easily entangles or snares us. And what we don't realize is there are so many things in our life that we, we think we've got it all under control, but then all of a sudden the sin that some of... We have some of my pant leg back, man. All right, good deal. Then... Anyway... The sin, it becomes a part of us. And what you don't realize is this. When you have sin entangling you, you aren't moving. In this spiritual race, in this spiritual walk with the Lord, when sin entangles you, when sin gets a hold of you, you aren't moving. Because you cannot live in sin and be focusing and moving toward God. Because those two things do not exist. Those two things cannot happen. And so we think we're moving. I can fake it. I can fake like I'm moving and running. But I'm going nowhere. Why? Because sin's got a hold of me. But the problem in our society today, it is, and the problem in our church today is, we have come up with the idea and let our society determine what we can and cannot do. We've let society determine what's okay and not okay. Well, hang with me here. Oh, it's okay. The society will say something like this. It's, it's okay if you lie. A little white lie. It's all right, man. Everybody's doing it. It's all right. And we in the church kind of believe that. Here's another thing that's, that's kind of scary. You know, society will say, you know, it, it's okay if, if you, uh, you know, have sex before marriage. Society will say it's okay if you live together because you got to find out if you're compatible enough to get married. So you got to live together for a certain amount of time. And then if that works out, then you're okay. Well, can I tell you, those go against God's word. And so we have people in our church society, in our church world, that are living in sin and they wonder, why am I not moving forward? Why am I not moving forward? I say, it's okay to cheat on your taxes. It's all right. Everybody does it. It's okay to, to steal. It's okay to do those kind of things. It's, it's just a little thing. It's not a big deal. And the problem is, is that little by little by little, the devil puts sin in our way. And we sit here and we, we can fake it real good, man. I can fake it really good. But I'm not going anywhere in my walk with God. And in fact, a lot of people think that you can just as long as I'm, as, as long as I'm in this. Because you see my focus, the, the other part of that says let us fix our eyes on Jesus. As long as I've got this in my life and this on my back, my focus is not forward. My focus is right here. Why? Because you can't run. It's got a hold of me, man. I ain't going nowhere. Good job. I am not going anywhere. 
There's not one place I can go. I think I'm moving forward. I, I want to, man. I see the line, but until I deal with this, until I get rid of this, until I ask forgiveness of this, and not just make it a decision, but a commitment that says, I'm going to follow Jesus, no turning back, then, only then, am I able to run this race. But until that point, if I just keep ignoring this, if I just keep putting this down, if I just keep being this way, you know what eventually will happen? You see, right now, I can move one foot, but you know what will eventually happen? It'll get so entangled that I won't be able to move either one. And then all of a sudden, I can't fake it anymore. It's only when we fix our eyes on Jesus. We have so many things. I need you to come with me a little bit. I need to see my notes. You can still grab a hold, man, but I still need to go, all right? All right, there we go. Woo! Bless God. I was stuck in my sin. I need to pull them off. You know, the crazy thing is, is I think what happens in most people who call themselves Christians is one of three things. They either, A, don't know their Bible, B, they're not concerned with living what the Bible says. They think, oh, it's just an ancient book. Or maybe the sad thing is, is they just have been duped into thinking that I can do whatever I want and still cross the line. And the sad thing is, church, is that whenever we live that way, We only deceive ourselves because the devil's happy with you thinking that you're running as long as you're bound by this. I don't know what this represents for you. I don't know what these represent for you. But for every one of us, we deal with these things every day. Why? Because there's an enemy that wants you to stop your race. There's an enemy that wants you to stop and to give up and to just sit along the sideline. He wants you to be so entangled and so down that you can't move forward. But there's one cure. There's a cure for this sin problem. The Word of God says this, and let us let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance to rake smart out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, here, kind of a, another side thing. I think a lot of us, we, we think the finish line is going to come to us. <laughs> we think that God's going to come to us. We're like, oh, well, I can do it. I'm good here. God's going to come running to me. And in reality, God's waiting for you to take the step and run to him. And it's just like the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son? The father didn't run to the son when he was in the pig pen. When did he run to the son? When he saw him on the road. And it was after the son decided that he was going to take steps and he was going to come to the father that the father then threw off his row and ran to the son. He didn't go to him in the pig pen. He went when he came. And that's the great thing about Jesus. 
The scripture text says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Good runners don't concentrate on the things that are around them. They concentrate on their focal point. And for us, if we're going to get free of this stuff, if we're not going to be able to move, if we're going to be able to, to be able to finish our race and experience everything what God has for us, if we're going to see revival happen in our community, it's got to start with us. And it's got to start with us saying, I don't want these things in my life. I don't want this sin in my life. Jesus, I pray that you forgive me of my sin. I pray that you forgive me of those things in my life. And then those sins release and the weights come flying off and we start running to the Lord. Thanks, I. Thanks, Jake. It's in those moments It's in those moments when we experience true freedom. It's in those moments when it's more than just a one-time decision, but it's a commitment that says, I'm not living this way. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to live that way. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And I throw it aside. And I go after him. And that's when a move of God happens in a community. Is because you see, people see the Jesus that lives in you. People see the Jesus that is alive in you. That you've decided, you know what? I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm not living that lifestyle anymore. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Jesus, then, is the one we follow. He sets the course for us. You know, it's amazing that all these Olympians go through all of this work just for a medal that can be earned in just a few moments. Yet we as believers sometimes don't want to go through the sacrifices to get a crown that will last for eternity. We need to throw off the things Get rid of the sin that it so easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race. I want to read the last part of chapter, well, the middle part here of chapter 12. As you look on past the first three verses that we read on verses 4 through 12, talk about how God disciplines those he loves. I don't know if you've ever experienced God's discipline. But it's God's discipline that helps you because you need that discipline in your life to get rid of this and to keep rid of it. You need that discipline in your life to get rid of the sin in your life and to keep rid of it. He goes on to say that, therefore, in verse 12, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees Make level paths for your feet so that, you, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Then he goes on in verse 14. He said, Pastor, why are we talking about this today? Why, why, are, we, why are we bringing this? This is a, a serious type message today. And, and I pray that God, the Holy Spirit, I've been praying this whole week that God would be speaking to your heart. It says this in verse 14. It says, make every effort, effort to live in peace with everyone and be, to be holy. Without holiness... No one will see the Lord. Remember what we just talked about? 
fixing your eyes on Jesus, you can't even see God unless you're willing to be holy and forgiven and humble. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You get a little bit more of that on Wednesday night. I invite you to come out and be a part of that conversation. Verse 15, see too that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights, inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, he wanted to inherit his bless, this blessing. He was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Why do we share messages like this? It's because I believe that we have an obligation. See to it. You know, last week we talked about the, the geese and how when we're together and, and working together for the Lord, we go 71% farther than when we fly solo. Can you imagine what a, a church would be like that was seeking after God, that was throwing off hindrances, that was letting go of their sin, that was changing their lifestyle to worship God? I don't care what the world says is okay. It's got to be what this says is okay. Because there's not one person in this world, me included, that can tell you, okay, this is the way you get to heaven, unless I'm telling you from here. This is the only way. And if it matters what God says, if, God, if, if this is the all-authority word of God, then it matters what God says. And I can't live however I want. I've got to live how he tells me to live. And so today I challenge you with that thought. Revival is just a moment away, from, not only from your heart, but from your community and the people you're around. But we have to throw off our sin, and we have to throw off our baggage. Our baggage. Would you bow your heads, please? Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would speak in this room. Holy Spirit, do what you do. Convict us and move us to a place of forgiveness, to a place of throwing off the things that beset us. You're here today, and the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart. It's time to respond to the word of God today. Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart. You feel that tug right now, that, that uncomfortable feeling. That's God saying, listen, I need this. I need you to get rid of this. I need you to, to, to throw this aside so that you can serve me completely and so you can finish this race strong. And so today I, I want to ask this question. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart, will you respond? Is there weights? Is there baggage in your life that you're dealing with? Is there sin in your life that you need to bring and give to the Lord today? Don't leave this place still bound. Don't leave this place still underneath the heavy burden of that weight. Come to Jesus today. Fix your eyes on him and let him set you free.
Hallelujah. We're going to sing a song we sang earlier, Jesus, I Surrender. And if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, I want you to come. Would you stand? Let's make it easier. Everyone stay, just stay put for right now. We're early. Don't worry about your clock. Right now, worry about the relationship with the Lord. If that's you today, we invite you to come. In this closing prayer, I'm going to pray that God will make you miserable. If you're the one that is not, that is entangled, if you're the one that's not moving forward, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit just comes to you and convicts you. And you say, well, Pastor, that don't sound very nice. I only do it because I love you. I only do it because I love you. And I want to see God do something great in your life. You're not moving. You're stationary. And so I'm going to pray God make you miserable. I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit expose those things in your life that you need to deal with. I'm going to pray this becomes heavier. You're like, Pastor, that don't make any sense. You're not being very nice. I know. It's okay. You'll thank me for it someday. You'll actually, more than me, you'll thank him for it. Because it's the Holy Spirit. It's not something I've done or said. I'm just praying for you that way. Because I think it's so important. I believe Jesus is coming soon. And I want you to be able to finish the race. I want you to finish strong. I want to see you in heaven with me. I want you to be there. And so, Father, right now, I ask in Jesus' name, if there's someone here today that did not respond, they heard the message, and Holy Spirit, you've been dealing with them, and they did not respond, God, I pray over the next series of days that you would make it miserable for them. Confront them, God, with their sin and help them to deal with it, to get out of the thing that entangles them so they can run the race. God, for those that are carrying around baggage of hurt feelings, baggage of, of things that have been said over them, things that have been done to them, they're carrying baggage of insecurity, they're carrying baggage of misplaced priorities, they're carrying all of these things, God, hurts from the past. They're carrying all this stuff in this, in this satchel, in this baggage that they're carrying. God, today, I pray that you would make it so that they have to throw this down at your feet. So that, God, they can run with the race with ease. That, God, they can move forward with you. Your word said that in the last portion of Scripture and that no bitter root come between you. Make the most of every opportunity. Live at peace with everyone. God, don't let things keep us from running our race to the best of our ability. God, we pray that you'd help us, Lord, to do that. Because when we do that, Lord, it puts us in a place where we are more effective for the kingdom.
that helps us to live holy lives. And in that holiness is when we see you. And that holiness is when we fix our eyes completely on you. And, and we run this race. And we bring as many people as we can with us. So God, it's important this week. Holy Spirit, you know the importance. God, I loose you to do those things today, today in Jesus' name. Draw us to our knees. Whatever it takes, God to get us to the place where we're running our race completely for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.